Good job. Welcome. We're going to jump into our lesson, and it's going to be a, a little bit of a different lesson, I guess. I don't know. We're going to talk. It's maybe a little bit more of a teaching than a preaching lesson. Hopefully a little bit of both, though. But the title of the lesson is Ways to Away, which is a strange title. But the idea is uh, that, like, this room that kind of has these three doors, this is like signifying our relationship with God. And we're going to look at the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer talks about three types of away. And we're going to look at those three types. The three aways of the book of Hebrews. Meaning, there are three ways that we can walk away, leave our relationship with God. Now, we are in West Michigan, which is Calvin country. And so this, this uh, is, is a hot topic around here. But, just so you guys know where I stand, uh, I believe the Bible calls us to stay faithful. Persevere through all of the trials of life and stay faithful. And Hebrews is a perfect example of this. The Hebrew writer is talking to, well, let's just jump right into it. What is the book of Hebrews about? The book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians in the first century who are tempted with leaving Christianity. And you might be like, why? Did they just like Judaism more? Guys, it's so much more intense than that. So under the Roman rule, there was an, a Jewish exemption. So that if, if any person had to, was confronted by a, a centurion or soldier, or a, a Roman magistrate, they were forced to pay you know, and, and worship the Caesar. They were forced to pay uh, offerings to the Caesar. They're supposed, they're, they're supposed to be fully Roman, and yet... Because the Romans came in here, the deals they worked out over the years were that there was a Jewish exemption to a lot of that. And so if they, if they, if they confronted you on the street, you were expected to say that Caesar is Lord. Except the first century Jews and around that time, they were exempted from that. The Jewish exemption. And that's great until Christianity comes on the scene. And now... They are, uh, and they thought, hey, we are still God's people. We are still fully Jewish. But now we, we're following Jesus. And that, to them, it seemed like the natural, he was the Messiah. That's the nat- natural progression of our faith. And, and yet, that didn't go very smoothly. And so one example is uh, the, the Jewish ruling council and the, the, the people who were not accepting Jesus, quickly learned on, like, oh, they still are benefiting from the Jewish exemption. And so we're going to start telling the Roman officials, hey, just so you know, they are, not, they are not with us. And so now, all of a sudden, you have Jewish Christians whose life got very, very difficult for them. And so this is why... They, they became Christians, and they were like, Jesus is Lord. And then they were confronted by the Romans. They say, no, you have to say Caesar is Lord. 
and they say, remember when you used to not make us say that? And you're like, well, the synagogue doesn't vouch for you anymore. And so now, what used to be an okay way of life is now deadly. And so there were tons of first century Jewish Christians who were struggling with the idea, do we stay Christian? And it's not just because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in my faith or I like I like the traditions. No, it's a life or death situation. And that's what the book of Hebrews is addressing. Like, guys, stay faithful. Don't turn back. It's worth it. Stay faithful. And so that's where we find ourselves. There were people that wanted to walk away. One of the main things that I pull out of Hebrews is that perseverance is an essential ingredient in the life of lordship. It's easy to say Jesus is Lord when you're a teenager or in college. It's easy to say, oh yeah, uh, this is what we're doing? Sure, I'll do this. Yeah, it sounds great. Now do that for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And then you'll see, oh, covenant relationship is a lot more intense than just an emotional like, hey, that song was really good. I'll get baptized. (laughs) Perseverance is an essential ingredient in the life of lordship. And that's what we're going to look at today. The three things where the Hebrew writer says, watch out, because here are three ways that you are going to leave God. Now, does God leave us? Does God ever, do we ever do something so bad that God's like, oh, I can't love him anymore? Nope. But, God shares, God is a God who shares his authority with his creations, and that's you. He gives you the power to choose. And so, Christianity, if I could sum up Christianity in two things. It's Jesus is Lord, and I want to be part of this family of believers. And I 100% believe that at any point in your life, you can be like, you know what? I don't want Jesus Lord in my life anymore. Lordship is stupid. I'm, I'm the master of my own life. And you can be like, I don't want to be in part of this family. This family's crazy. I don't want to be part of this. I want to just do everything on my own. Now, at that moment, does God get out his magic eraser and like scratch your name out of the book of life? No, and I don't know when the answer to that question is, and that's dumb to, for us to even ask. But here's what I know. When you make those decisions, you're on a path that is a dangerous path. And we have to be careful. And the Hebrew writer is warning us of those things. And so we're going to look at these three things. Ready? Here's the first one. Drift away. The Hebrew writer warns us about drifting away. Let's read the scripture and then we'll dig in. Hebrews 2, starting at verse 1. We must pay, atten- we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And so right there in the middle... Drift, or at the beginning, drift away. We have to be careful not to drift away. So what does that 
What does that mean for us? I think it's very easy for us to stop remembering what Jesus has done for you. And when you stop being grateful for God working in your life, we detach from that gratitude and we're starting to drift. If you ever think about like a space, an astronaut on a spacewalk, like if I detach from the, my tether, it's still right here. I can still reach out and touch it, right? Like I'm, I'm right here. We're close. But now there's this insane amount of dread because I have the ability to drift away beyond my ability to reach back and pull myself in. And we can detach from a life of lordship. We can detach from other people in our lives. We can lose sight of what Jesus has done for us. And we can ignore so great a salvation. And I think this is one of the problems of being in such a religious culture is that we can assume like, well, everywhere I look is God, right? So I can kind of like take it for granted. And we can drift. And then, and then we realize, oh man, it's been a long time since I read the Bible. It's been a long time since I actually had a spiritual conversation with someone. It's been a long time since I, you know, filled my mind with any spiritually beneficial things. So I'm going to do something cheesy. I'm admitting this is cheesy, okay? I'm going to put that picture of the three doors up, and I'm going to kind of do a little visual thing on each door, okay? So how do we keep ourselves from drifting away? Well, I think part of it is we need that reminders. We need uh, to like check back in and remind ourselves, okay, this is where I am. This is where I was before God. This is where God's taking me and I love it and I marvel at all of it because I don't want to drift away. So in my mind, that's like the map. So here's the three doors and we're going to slap a big map on, the, on that door. That's the drift away door. And if, if there's a map on the door... I think, I think there's going to be times, life is hard. There's going to be times where you walk through that door. But if you, can, if you can give yourself things where you come back and you ground yourself, and you're like, okay, I know this is true, then you'll never get too far out that door. Does that make sense? So there's going to be times of craziness, guys. We've all been through, I can look around the room. There's some seasons of hardship just in this room right here. Where you can say, like, I... I, the, my, the, my love grew cold for a while there, and I separated myself from people, and maybe I, I went for like two months without ever picking up my Bible, and the only time I heard, and then, and then you like miss, miss some services, and then that's like the only thing you hear spiritually in the week, but if you can come back to something that grounds you, and again, I'm going to encourage you that one of those things should be the Bible. You should be reading your Bible. Then you'll never get too far away. Spiritual books. You should share what spiritual books you're reading and listen to what other spiritual books people are reading. Like, oh, man, this book was so helpful. And then take that, take that down. You're like, oh, man, maybe I should read that. 
Spiritual conversations. We should have those talks that bring you back, that ground you. You should have those talks with people where you go, oh man, I'm so glad I had that talk because I felt myself drifting away. I'm going to throw this out there, podcasts, but helpful ones. (laughs) And then I'm just going to remind you again, the Bible, read the Bible. It's like the map. If you, if you have regular time in the scriptures, it will help keep you from drifting away. Something that reminds you of what Jesus has done for you. And that's my question for you. Am I constantly reminding myself of what Jesus has done for me? If someone were to come up to you and be like, hey, t- tell me something that Jesus is doing in your life or something you're grateful for. And you're like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't want us to be that. We should be so good at staying grounded, guarding ourselves from drifting away, that we're always thinking about what Jesus has done for me. One of the things that keeps me grounded, gosh, i got to be careful with the storytelling. We could keep going on and on and on. One of the things that keeps me grounded is, man, I I think about my family, Jen and the boys, and I think about what my life was like or was headed before I became a disciple. And when I look at my, my family, I'm like, wow. Like, I'm insanely grateful for what Jesus has done for me through this. Because I know, I know what I was like. And I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have what I have without Jesus. And so it's not based on my cleverness or my hard work. I didn't pull myself up from my bootstraps. Like, like Jesus saved me. And I'm grateful for that. And that thought keeps me from drifting away. All right, let's keep going. There's another one. The second away in the book of Hebrews is turn away. So we have to be careful. Because you can be in a relationship with God and be like, you know what? Nah. And turn away. You can decide, I don't want to do that anymore. Now, what causes that? Let's read in Hebrews 3. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. And here's those weird if statements in the book of Hebrews. We share in Christ if we hold firm, if we stay faithful to the end. And so what's important to know about this is that your heart can change. You may be like on top of the world right now and think, I'm solid, I love God, God loves me, everything's fine. And I'm secure in that. You are secure, you're always secure in the fact that God loves you. But you should not be so secure in the fact that you will always love God. Your heart can change. Our heart can change over time through sin and unbelief. And and maybe you can think of examples of people that you've seen that happen to. Maybe you can think of times in your own life where you've seen it happen to yourself. My heart has hardened because of my sin. And I believed the lies of the world. 
And then it's easy. It's easy. It's not even hard to turn away. Because what was wrong is now right. Because my heart has changed. We can walk out that door and never look back. But what's great about this is that the, the Hebrew writer gives us the answer right here in the verse. It's love and encouragement. Love and encouragement. And so my cheesy graphic is just going to be some people standing in front of that door. And so there is a door that symbolizes you just leaving through a sinful, unbelieving lifestyle. Your heart is hard and you're out of here. And, and the Hebrew writer is like, yeah, I have the answer for that. It's other people. There, you're going to need other people in your life to stand in the way of that door. Because this is not the door that you want to walk in and out of. This is the sin, depravity door. You don't want to like mosey on out and say, oh yeah, I'll head back. This is the dangerous, I'm walking away from a life of lordship to Jesus door. This is the door you want to avoid. And as dumb as it seems, if I had to invent a, a, a way to keep people faithful, I would probably like figure out a way to lock that door. I'd figure out a way to like make people like stay in line. Don't go out that door. If you go out that door, you'll be punished. If you go out that door, I'm, you know, scare tactics and all that stuff. Control, structure. And yet what the Hebrew writer is, is like, yeah, it's a lot less effective than those things. It's love. You need love and encouragement to keep your heart from going through that door. And we know it, it's easy to like say, hey, you need people in your life, so you, this is your person, and you, this is your person, and now you have to like answer to one another and keep each other in line. And we know that doesn't work. You need to find people that you can help guard your heart. Do I have people in my life who will encourage me and keep my heart soft? And this is another example of how like, indi this individualism destroys the church. Because the one thing that could keep us from turning away from God, the love and encouragement of people in our lives... We're like, nah, that's useless. I don't need that. I can figure this out all on my own. And it destroys the church because nobody cares for one another. The church is a family, but it only works if everyone is seeking out those relationships. And so you may be tempted to be like, yeah, I want one of those relationships. So give me one. And we could do that. Like, all right, you have to do whatever this person tells you. That would be a horrible idea, guys. But will, but will you go after that if, the, if we don't tell you what to do? Is it valuable enough that you'll pursue it without being told or without it being provided for you? Because then that makes the church more like a corporation or a government or some like structured, man-structured thing. And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to keep saying it over and over. Like we have, this, we have this vision for our church here, guys. 
where every single person, every single one of you, has more than one person in your life that cares about you, that loves you deeply, that you care about and love them deeply. Because we need to keep our hearts soft so they don't get hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because that's the second away. Turn away. We got one more. We can get carried away. We have to be careful of this one. Because I think we know we're supposed to, we're supposed to like engage with the world. Be in the world, but not of the world. But we have to be careful because our entanglement with the world has the ability to carry us away. And so we're going to meet people, we're going to hear stuff, we're going to be compassionate, we're going to listen, but we can't go down every rabbit hole of teaching and thinking that we come across. And that's exactly what was happening in the first century. This was a messy situation with the first century Jewish Christians. And they're trying to figure out, like, can we, can we okay, I'm still a Christian, but I'm still going to look like a Jew exclusively and do everything so that I can fly under the radar. And everyone was trying to figure stuff out. And this is what the Hebrew writer says. I keep saying that because we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Okay. The Hebrew writer. In Hebrews 13, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. The Hebrew writer is just cautioning people. You're going to hear lots of crazy stuff. You need to always go back to what you are grounded in and what you know is true. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, 14, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And this is kind of like, kind of like the first one. Because we are pliable. The first one, we we talked about how our hearts change. Our minds change. Our hearts change. We are pliable people. Remember when we did the teaching night on like toxic leadership and cult behavior and that sort of stuff? I'm trying to get you guys to see like, you think you're rigid. You're not. None of us are. We We can all be molded and conformed. And if you consume, like, one thing, you will become that thing. And we have to be careful. We have to know that about ourselves. We can be convinced of things that are not true. That is a fact of human nature. We can be convinced of things that we know are not true. That is even the scarier thing. Because we think we're so rigid, but we're not. We're very, very pliable. And I recognize this early on with myself. Like, if I fed myself one, you know, type of media or one thing, like, that's who I would become. And I was, it was obvious to me. Like, oh, I need to be careful of this. Because I, like, if I listened, like, as an employee, I was a great employee. Because I always just was like, my company is the best company in the world. And my boss is the best boss in the world. And I was fully loyal to the company line and everything. And then when I was done, I'd be like, wait. That place is crazy. But I realized that about myself. Like, I can convince myself that this environment is, like, perfect. 
false doctrine, conspiracy theories, cult-like behaviors, radical allegiances, are all things that can carry us away. And we're going to meet people. We should be meeting people. And we should be able to listen to them. And they will present us with all kinds of ideas. And we should be able to listen and not be swayed by them. And so here's my cheesy graphic, okay? It's one of those doors that only opens on the top. (laughs) It's got a window, and it opens on the top. And you can, like, look in and be like, hey, you can wave, you can have a good conversation. But you don't go through the doorway. And why did I pick this picture? Because when it comes to this stuff, when it comes to, like, engage, like, you have to be able to engage with anybody without being carried away by any, every, any and everything. We need to be good at engaging without getting carried away. And I, need, and I've, I have many conversations all the time. And I love listening to people, and I'll listen to everybody. And I need people to know that I hear you. I understand what you're saying. I don't agree with you. But that's okay. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. So here's the thing. Can, do I know how to engage without getting carried away? Because we have two extremes here. One is, I know how to engage and then get carried away. Or, I don't know how to engage, so I shut everybody out. I only talk to people that I agree with. I only talk to people that are like me. I refuse to mix it up. But as disciples, we should, be the, we should train ourselves to be the perfect balance of this. Like, yeah, I can, I, can have a, I can have a friendship. I can have a deep, loving friendship with people that b- believe the opposite of everything I believe. And I do. But here's, here's my warning. Our society is designed to drag us to the extremes of every issue. So, for instance... I believe that there is sin. You've heard me preach on sin many times. I believe that there is sin. It separates us from the life that God wants us to live. And there are people that live like there is no such thing as sin, and they embrace things that I think are sinful. That's not a surprise. That shouldn't be a surprise. And yet, it is easy to see my disapproval of whatever they're doing and think, oh, Why is your heart so filled with hate? And I try to convince them, I'm not, my heart is not filled with hate. I genuinely love you. And maybe you've experienced something like this. Maybe it's even a family member who lives in a way that you think is is not good. And just because you don't approve, they feel like, why do you hate me? Or, here's another example. Someone heard something on the internet. Something nefarious is afoot, friends. And my response, and I'm very consistent in this, is, oh, that sounds very interesting. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. But if I say I don't believe that, and this has happened, 
say, oh, what you just put out there? That's interesting, but I don't believe that's true. Now <laughs> I'm, I'm the problem. Maybe you can, you've been through this in the last few years. And they are filled with voices that tell them, if someone doesn't believe what you believe, they're stupid. And they're evil. And they're, they're, they're the bad guy. And so here I am. I try to be a loving, well-rounded person. And yet I have people on the left hate me. People on the right hate me. I'm called evil by both people. <laughs> And yet nothing has changed. I've been consistent in my love. I've been consistent in my compassion. I've been consistent in my beliefs. And so all I say is that our society is designed where there's a door. You're going to get dragged through that door. And you're going to be carried away if you don't get help. And so here are the three aways of Hebrews. We are cautioned in the book of Hebrews. Don't drift away. Don't turn away. And don't be carried away. We can drift away if we ignore what Jesus has done in our lives. And what's the, what's the solution? We need reminders. We need remembrances. We need things to ground us in that. We can turn away if our hearts get hardened by sin or unbelief. And what's the answer for that? We need encouragement. We need love. We need people who will help us see like, yeah, no, what you're doing is right. This is the right lifestyle. It's good. It's okay. The life of lordship is the life. And then we can get carried away by strange teachings. We need to learn how to engage without getting uh, sucked out, without, while staying solidly grounded. But here's what's great about the book of Hebrews. There's another away. Here's a little dose of hope for you guys. There's another away. And that is in Hebrews 9, starting at verse 27. The Hebrew writer says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus, his role in our life was to take away the spiritual consequences of our sin. And I love that. We need to be eternally grateful for Jesus and his sacrifice. God gives us the ability to make choices. Even choices that separate us from him. But because of Jesus, we can always come back. And God's love is never withdrawn from us. Even when ours is withdrawn from him. So, I just say all that to say, wherever you're at this morning, I know we cover, just in this little group, we cover the whole range of where I'm at in my relationship with God. God has already paid the ultimate price for you through the death of his son. He doesn't need to do more for you. He already did it. And you don't need to do more to earn it. We do need to respect the authority that he shares with us and and these ways that the Hebrew writer cautions us. Please be careful, because here are three ways where you 
to choose to separate yourself from the life that God is wanting for you. Amen? Help us to guard each other's hearts in these ways. Amen? So with that, I've asked Lauren Edwards to do our communion this morning. So come on up, Lauren.